there's one takeaway from from the uh, debate, it's just going to be volatility. In a market where the VIX is elevated, you know, it's a great global solution, and we're going to earn that extra three, four, you know, five percent yield. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. After the chaos of the first U.S. presidential debate, the only certainty for investors is that uncertainty lies ahead. With this in mind, in this episode, Mark Race and Chris Heeks are joined by Alfred Lee to provide tactical solutions to help advisors position for the 2020 U.S. election, including multiple scenarios. Mark, Chris, and Alfred will also turn your gaze homeward to analyze the implications of the throne speech on Canadian equity markets at large. Before we hear from our experts, please consider subscribing to the BMO ETFs podcast on your preferred podcast player and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Hello, and welcome to the BMO Global Asset Management Canada Weekly ETF Insight Call for Advisors. I'm your host, Mark Rays. I'm the head of product for BMO GAM Canada, covering ETFs and mutual funds. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for listening in. We are joined today by Chris Heeks, Portfolio Manager on our ETF desk, focusing on equity and derivative solutions and also by Alfred Lee, uh, who focuses on fixed income ETFs. But of course, both are able to speak across the ETF lineup. So for today, I thought we'd start with a bit of a focus on the U.S. election. Of course, we had the debate last night between Trump and Biden, and I could only uh, sit through part of it, a little tough to watch. And I think the, the word that's being thrown around most most frequently is chaotic. So let's use today's call to discuss positioning in front of this uh, November election. So first, your initial reaction to the debate and what an election win for either Trump or Biden might mean for markets in consideration as well, of course, of Congress. Thanks. I'll kick it off. You know, I, I was reading that the Wall Street Journal, they said that uh, WWE wrestlers uh, had better better table manners than either Trump or Biden at the election, or sorry, at the debate last night. So uh, pretty interesting. And, and I think 70% of people were overall disappointed with the general tone that the debate took, um, kind of a statement on politics there as well. I think if there's one takeaway from, from the uh, debate, it's just going to be volatility. And I think we're going we're gonna to touch on that as we go through the call. But, um, you know, you look at, you look at kind of, um, you know, handicapping the race, so to speak. You know, Trump is obviously pro-business. Um, you know, he's focused on de- deregulation in general. Um, environmental uh, has been highlighted, but, you know, in general, I would say deregulation, um, more of an open markets approach. Um, obviously, it's been good for the S&P 500, uh, net-net. On the other hand, Biden, you know, Biden, um, you know, speculated to be re- uh, raising corporate taxes. Um, and he did, he did confirm that last night in the debate that he would raise corporate taxes. Um, you know, obviously, he's going to be an advocate of more kind of a green energy approach. You know, speculated that he will be, you know, a negative for healthcare, possibly a negative for tech as well, um, if they proceed with more regulation in that space. 
Uh, overall, though, I think you know, taking one step back from the debate, and it, it was a it was a total mess. I agree. Um, I don't think this is a, a binary type of an outcome event, really. I think you know, neither one of these um, candidates is going to is going to really, I think, have a have a have a major change where they're going to you know define markets for the next four years. You know, obviously, it's going to depend on how Congress goes and how Senate goes as well. So I think the consensus of Biden's, you know, in the lead right now in presidential, but Republicans are in the lead when it comes to the Senate. I think the probability of a protested election, you know, a contested election is pretty high. There's this idea of a, a mirage victory for Trump where he wins on election night, but Biden wins once they count all the mail-in votes, you know, which could take up to a month. So, again, I would come back to there's really going to be volatility in the markets. But stepping back from that volatility picture in terms of a little bit of a bigger picture, you know, I think what we've seen this year overall and we'll continue to see from both parties, whether it's Trump or Biden or, or both parties in the, the Senate or the, the House, is you know, a commitment to stimulus. Um, and we see that both on the fiscal side and the monetary side. You know, if we can talk about something other than the U.S. today, Christine Lagarde, you know, head of the ECB, was just talking about how she likes the U.S. You know, modern monetary theory approach of perhaps overshooting on inflation to get the economy back going again. So really, I think you've got, you know, regardless of global synchronization um, of stimulus, which I think net-net is going to be a driver, a positive driver for equities. Uh, that's what I take away from it. I also take away, you know, there's going to be a lot of volatility. Uh, this polarization that's in the U.S. is not going to go away after this election, regardless of the outcome. Certainly not going away if Trump's elected, but I don't think it's going away either if Biden's elected. So I think we're going to see a volatile environment. Um, I think we're going to see, a, you know, a, a constructive environment for equities, particularly as we navigate COVID. But it's going to be an interesting few years. I think it's going to be a buckle-in type of uh, environment for sure. Yeah, I, I just kind of echo a lot of the same thoughts. I think overall, uh, you know, initially I thought chaotic was a good term to characterize it. But now, now after Chris mentioned, I think WWE is a, is a much better way to characterize, you know, what went on last night. But I think... You know, overall, it was, uh, you know, as, as anticipated, I think, you know, Trump went on the attack early, uh, taking, you know, the same kind of bully tactics that he did in 2016, as, as expected. Um, I think a lot of his supporters will, you know, like that kind of strategy. I think uh, potentially what, you know, happened last night by taking that strategy, I don't think it won him any, uh, any votes with moderate uh, voters. Uh, but overall, in terms of the markets, I think, um, you know, what shakes out over the next year is really dependent on, you know, how coronavirus really shakes out over the next year. I think if a viable vaccine is really ready, as, as uh, Trump mentioned over the next couple of months, uh, the markets will recover. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, how the uh, economic recovery kind of plays out uh, really depends on, uh, you know, who is elected president. So I think if it's a status quo, meaning that, you know, the Republicans uh, control the Senate and the Democrats control the House, uh, that's obviously going to favor small business, uh, small business businesses. So think, you know, small caps, uh, fossil fuels as well. Uh, if Biden uh, wins and it's a Democratic sweep, uh, like Chris mentioned, I think that's going to make a, a push for clean energy. Um, but I think if uh, Biden is president and Republicans keep the Senate, I think infrastructure is perhaps something they could all mutually agree on. But I think you know, overall, as I mentioned, I think over the next uh, next year, I think. Uh, it, it's it's really dependent on how coronavirus plays out, and then after that, uh, the composition of the recovery will really de be dependent on uh, what goes on with Congress. Thanks for that. And so, Chris, coming back to you, um, 
thinking about this then, you know, you mentioned some sectors. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, Trump being pro-business, Biden talking about corporate taxes. Can you provide uh, an ETF that, that really fits to either either outcome or even, uh, you know, a bit more of a continue as usual if, if we do get uh, a split coming back looking at Congress and, and the Senate? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, Alfred mentioned infrastructure being the one thing they can agree on. And, and we've talked about that in prior calls, and that's always something, you know, we've liked about infrastructure is that GI, you know, as a, as a ticket that, you know, I think that's the one thing they can agree on, which is not much. Uh, but, but, you know, in terms of other kind of broadly, you know, ETF trade ideas on the equity side, you know, I really like the volatility um, angle as well. And I think, you know, we've talked about how volatility is still elevated. You know, after last night, certainly I don't see any, anything to say volatility is not going to remain elevated for uh, the foreseeable future. So within that backdrop, we we always talk about cover call strategies, option overlay strategies, how you can earn income, um, earn an extra income stream by monetizing the volatility. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we are constructive about an eventual recovery from coronavirus. We will eventually recover for it, from it, but it's going to take some time. We don't know if it's six months or we don't know if it's 12 or 18 months. Uh, but something like a ZWG, which is our global dividend, uh, high, uh, global high dividend covered call ETF. Again, these are the largest kind of blue chip dividend payers in the world. Um, it's got a, it's got a, you know, higher weight to us, which is obviously reflective of us's place in the world. But, you know, in a, in a market where the VIX is elevated, you know, it's a great global solution and we're going to earn that extra three, four, you know, 5% yield in highly volatile markets. We can get more yield. Um, and it's a great solution. You got to get paid while you wait. So I, you know, Again, the takeaway from me last night is it kind of continued volatility. And so I think ZWG is one. And if I can add one more, uh, ZPay, the BMO premium yield. Um, again, you know, there's an interesting strategy where it's kind of a combination of put selling and covered calls and owning a bit of equities. We're selling puts about 8% out of the money right now. And if we get uh, signed on those puts, uh, we're going to look to own those stocks. So I think as we navigate, you know, the next couple of months with a you know, certainly, <laughs> certainly uncertain uh, we're learning. We're earning a lot of premium uh, by selling those puts. And if the market backs up a bit, you know, we're going to be there to buy stocks cheap. And if the market rallies from there, we're going to we're going to sell. So we're going to look to kind of navigate, you know, the path of equity markets with that option overlay. And again, it's earning six percent yield. Markets kind of just kind of trend around. You know, we're going to be earning that that high level of yield. So, you know, I, I like playing the volatility theme um, overall, kind of over the next medium term. Thanks, Chris. And I also heard, uh, and maybe it was Alfred speaking, um, comments if, if Trump comes through potentially around uh, small cap, knowing that we brought out uh, both mid and small cap uh, early earlier this year, you know, what would need to occur for, for either of those to, to really move forward in your mind as, uh, as tra- trade ideas uh, in or yeah, around the election? I think it's I think it's cyclical growth overall. Um, you know, you look at what the Fed's trying to do. The Fed is trying to stimulate inflation, and they've committed to providing a ton of stimulus. So this this should be a constructive environment for kind of more call it risk on type exposures like mid caps and small caps. Um, so so we'll see how it plays out. To Alfred's point, you know, it's not clear that we navigate COVID in the short term. Um, you know, and that's that's a downside risk for small cap. But but I think you know over the long term, as we navigate it, you know, you, there's there's a higher um, you know higher associated risk premium with small caps. 
And, you know, I do think, you know, over kind of the midterm, I think the outlook is pretty good as we navigate COVID. It's just in the, in the, in the short term, there's just so much uncertainty. So, um, you know, short term, it's, you know, looking for buying opportunities on small and mid cap stocks, I think is interesting. And, you know, some people would argue, you know, just as a diversification, you you should always have a little bit of small cap or a little bit of mid caps in your portfolio. You're listening to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. We also encourage you to tune in to our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Our latest episode takes a sweeping look at alternatives focusing on gold, infrastructure, and REITs to help investors complete their portfolios with investments that are lowly correlated to equities and fixed income. Check it out, episode number 29 in this same podcast series. Alfred, let's come back to you uh, thinking about fixed income. So within the, the same context of the, the different potential outcomes here, uh, can you provide an ETF trade idea matching through to those scenarios? Thanks. Sure. So um, I think if you look at both candidates, um, you know, both of them have built their platform on various uh, issues. So Trump has been, you know, obviously very vocal about, you know, a one-time stimulus in terms of helping businesses uh, local governments and also individuals as well, where, you know, when you look at Biden, he's been a lot more vocal in terms of, you know, wanting to spend on clean energy. He's also supported a lot of social issues like uh, racial equality as well. So I think if we get a Trump win, I think that's, you know, in terms of, you know, we talk about uh, small caps in the fixed income space, that essentially means, you know, high yield. So high yield companies are obviously, you know, smaller cap in nature. Uh, they tend to be a lot more local compared to, uh, larger corporations. So I think a Trump win would definitely be more stimulative for uh, speculative high yield issuers. Uh, Biden has also expressed that he wants to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh, I think this potentially creates a cash drag uh, on you know a lot of the high yield companies that tend to be already less cash rich compared to their the larger multinational peers. Uh, so I think a good way to play this is uh, through a high yield ETF, so ZHY. Uh, which is our BMO high yield uh, uh, bond ETF hedge back to the Canadian dollar. Uh, I would go with currency hedge right now. I know the U.S. dollar has rallied over the last couple of weeks, but I think that's shorter term in nature. Uh, I think because you know volatility has arisen over the last couple of weeks, uh, you do have this risk off trade, which has benefited the U.S. dollar. I think you know, over the long term, um, you know, to Chris's point, I think you know the Fed is going to be focused on uh, modern monetary theory or MMT. Uh, so that's going to be more accommodative in nature. I think that's you know, detrimental to the U.S. dollar. So I think you want to go with that uh, U.S. dollar hedge. Uh, if Biden wins, I think you want to focus on ESG. Um, so the BMO ESG U.S. corporate bond ETF, which is, again, hedge back to the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think Biden has been very vocal in terms of pushing social values. So I think overall, uh, things like ESG investing is going to be it's going to play a more prominent role regardless of who wins. Uh, obviously, you know, with millennials entering the workforce, uh, having more of a say, uh, working the way up to corporation, um, you know, I think they're not only going to place more value on uh, social values, but also environmental aspects as well. Uh, so they're going to make make an impact not only through investing, but also uh, through being activists as well, as we've seen over the last couple of years. So ESGF is a good way to get exposure to uh, U.S. investment grade uh, corporate bonds, but obviously with a tilt to uh, ESG uh, compliant companies. And, and I'll throw in one more trade. 
Uh, Chris mentioned a lot of volatility over the last over the next couple of months, and I, I would agree with that. I think uh, one way to potentially hedge out that volatility is going with long duration bond exposure. So whether you're getting that through uh, ZTL, which is our, our long duration uh, U.S. Treasury ETF, or ZFL, which is the long federal uh, ETF, uh, both of those are a good way to hedge out potential uh, equity market volatility as a volatility picks up, usually interest rates. Uh, drop across the curve, which tends to favor long-duration bonds. And with something like ZTL, uh, you also get the added benefit of the U.S. dollar exposure as well. So uh, month to date, as we've seen volatility pick up, uh, the S&P TSX is down 1.5%. ZTL is up 4.5% in September, and ZFL is is, uh, up 1.7%. So again, I don't think you need a lot in the portfolio, but I think 5% to 10% goes a long way in terms of managing the overall uh, volatility in your portfolio. Thanks for that, Alfred. Chris, let's uh, pivot back to the Canadian market. I find on these calls, we haven't spent too much time on ZCN or TSX Composite ETF. Now, lots of noise out of the U.S., but here in Canada, we've just seen the Liberals come out with their with their throne speech. Uh, it, it seems that deficit constraints are certainly a thing of the past. What does that mean for your outlook on Canadian markets, which have clearly lagged the U.S. in 2020? And on, on top of looking at the broad market, then is there a sector idea uh, that you would point at here? Thank you. Yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's got a little bit regrettable. Maybe we don't talk about Canada as much, but, you know, you look at equity markets in 2020 and, you know, there's just not a lot of great things to talk about Canada, unfortunately. Um, you know, you certainly have to tech in the U.S. markets. You know, the U.S. market obviously has been market leaders for, for several years. And, and the story this year, I think, really overall has been tech. You know, with the NASDAQ up 27%, you know, broad, other broad indexes are kind of kind of flat to down on the year overall. Uh, but, you know, in terms of Canada, you know, we still like segments of the Canadian market. Obviously, some segments like energy have been, you know, quite challenged and, and may continue to be challenged um, as we navigate a, a kind of a slower recovery. Um, stepping back, looking at the throne speech, you know, the, the, what stuck out to me, again, was this commitment to no austerity. That was Trudeau's commitment. And, you know, essentially, we all know what that means, is he's going to uh, not be shy with the checkbook. So, you know, the benefit programs in terms of, of, of businesses and, 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 you know, citizens, you know, we're going to see an expansion of those programs. Um, they're being supported by the NDP, you know, in that, in that minority government. And, and so obviously, you know, that we talk about that, you know, overall global consensus on stimulus, um, there's going to be no shortage of that from the fiscal side in Canada. Um, you know, the Bank of Canada, I think, is, is, is in a similar situation as well, you know, um, you know and, and, and stepped in to support many segments of uh you know, the fixed income market, which 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 um, obviously DMO want to mandate there. Um, so, you know, the big picture on Canada is I think the stimulus is there from both the fiscal and the monetary side. Um, you know, in terms of segments that we like, you know, I think, I think you know, it's so simple, but I think, it, you know, banks again, and, uh, you know, we, we work at banks, but I mean, I get obviously banks are, are very com- kind of compelling, tend to outperform over the long term. Um, they've outperformed the broad index and, and, you know, they're, they're really strong, you know, strong as a group, strong pricing power. The yield on the Canadian banks right now is about 5.2% as an average yield. So, again, whether you're in ZEB, just the plain vanilla banks, um, you, can, you can benefit from that. Or there's that WB where we're adding the incremental option overlay to it. 
um, you know, it's a very high yield. And, and, you know, we've done work, we talked about it on the call where, um, you know, this, this yield at this level is, is conducive to better returns going forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, overall with Canada, like, like the rest of the world, I think we're constructive on a recovery through COVID as we navigate it. Um, I think, you know, again, banks would be, I think, a quality side of Canada. If we were to ascribe the quality to the Canadian market, we talk about it in the U.S. a lot. But in Canada, I think the banks are the quality, you know, really strong and, and, and um, you know, business model, strong capitalization. Uh, so that's that's the big one for me. And I think, obviously, as Canadians, we're, all, we're always going to have some Canadian equity exposure. So ZCN is, is a great and effective tool to just do that. And, and we saw the benefits of having some ZCN this year where you have really big surprises in some cases, like with Shopify, now the third largest company in Canada, great surprise to the upside, and also gold equities, you know, really having a fantastic year. So you, you captured that a bit with the ZCN as well. So certainly that's, that's good. But I'd be, um, you know, looking at those banks as an attractive sector to, to overweight in Canada going forward. Thanks, Chris. I, I do find that sometimes uh, we ignore our home market when we're, when we're thinking about some of these ETF opportunities out there. So it is good to check in on Canada and realize that there are uh, still some, some good opportunities closer to home. So with that, I would like to check if there are any questions on the line for Chris and Alfred. Oh, hi, guys. Um, yeah, I've got a question. You, um, I agree with sort of the attractiveness of, of volatility as an asset class, and thank you. You guys answered my question on, on sort of the solutions that best capture that ZPay and ZWG. Just curious, uh, I'm looking at ZWK. You mentioned Canadian banks. Uh, ZWK seems to combine sort of U.S. banks with that strategy to capture high volatility. The distribution yield on that right now looks like 10.84%. What are your thoughts on that strategy um, uh, from a covered call perspective and, and as a tool to capture volatility? Yeah, thanks for the question. I think it's a, I think it's a great uh, tool. And, you know, I was tempted to mention U.S. banks as well, but the last question I wanted to respect, you know, the question being asked, kind of a focus on Canada. But, um, yeah, looking at those U.S. financials, I think they're, they're quite interesting as well. You know, nowhere near their pre-COVID highs. Obviously, we're worrying about credit risk a little bit over the next year. But, again, as you navigate it, that risk creates an opportunity. Uh, the U.S. banks are yielding, again, they're at the top end of a historical yield. They're, they're around the low 4%, which is quite quite healthy for the U.S. banks. And, you know, as you mentioned, the, the benefits of a, of a high volatility market, um, nowhere is that more apparent, than, in my opinion, than, than U.S. banks. You know, U.S. banks are riskier lenders in Canada, but their, their volatility profile kind of the last few months, and I think going forward, um, has been quite high. So, you, as you mentioned, uh, the product's yielding over 10%. You know, we have a very, we have a pretty conservative option overlay. We want to make sure you participate in growth. So we put those options out of the money. But the volatility is so rich with U.S. banks that we can actually, I think, get to that 10% yield with a very uh, prudent option overlay. So, you know, it's very interesting. I think, you know, in terms of a value recovery over the next, um, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months as we navigate COVID, as we, we work through, you know, any kind of any credit issues in the interim, um, I really like U.S. banks. Um, obviously, they had the um, they had the money laundering kind of story come out last week, I believe. Um, they seem to be bouncing back off that, which is which is um, you know good to see for investors. 
Um, and I think, you know, long-term, that's more of a stumbling block than, than a reason not to invest in the space. So I, I do think it's a great opportunity um, to, to uh, you know, kind of invest with a medium-term outlook and obviously earning that higher income stream with the volatility environment. You know, our covered calls are kind of the only, one of the only tools that you can actually take the volatility and turn it into something that works for you. You know, volatility is usually bad. Um, you know, Alfred also mentioned some, some duration tools on the fixed income side, but you know, in terms of generating income, you know, covered calls really, you know, give you that ability to, to take the volatility and, and really monetize it. So um, I do like that, uh, that solution right now. Good morning. After an entertaining U.S. presidential debate last night, anything can still happen, as we know, come November. That being said, a Biden win could influence even more of a spotlight on ESG investing. As we've been reading in the press, as of July 31st in the United States, we saw an amazing $38 billion U.S. flow into ESG-themed investments, now exceeding $100 billion in assets. Could you please speak to which BMO ESG-themed ETFs provide the best opportunity for investors going forward? And a second part to my question, would it be best to just play the ESGG, the global leaders, rather than try and pick a country or be region-specific? Thank you. You know, ESGG is a global, so it has the components that it carries the, um, the three underlying other ESG leaders ETFs that we launched, Canada, U.S., and EP. You know, it's a one-ticket solution in terms of an equity exposure. Um, you know, it's a really solid uh, um, you know, exposure. Obviously, going with the market cap is, you know, you can look at the, the SPIVA reports where you see, you know, what, how market cap performs, and it's, it's um, you know, versus other global kind of, Alternatives out there, you know, these, these global ETFs do very, very well. I think, you know, you, Alfred made that same point as well on the fixed income side. You know, Biden, a Biden victory is, is probably going to tilt towards ESG. You know, I think even with Trump getting elected, there's no, I think, question in my mind that there's a long-term theme towards ESG. And that's part of the reason we've, you know, come and marked and speak to this, you know, probably better, better than I can. But that's one reason why we think, you know, we want to be at the forefront of this. You know, this isn't this isn't just a four-year issue. This is a an issue going forward that's going to be important um, for generations to come. So um, I think you know, and we've talked about it on the call. I think having a tilt towards ESG, whether you want to do that in Canada, U.S., or globally, um, we have those tools to achieve that. I think it's going to be um, beneficial. I think if Biden gets elected, yes, I think more beneficial in the short term. Um, but even with Trump, um, you know, I think I think the ESGs have a have a pretty good outlook overall. You know, and, and just while we're on the, the, the subject of one-ticket solutions, you know, maybe another one that's flying a bit under the radar on the ESG side is ZESG, which is a balanced uh, 60-40 solution. And, again, has that ESG fixed income component that Alfred spoke about as well as the ESG equity component. So I think a very, you know, interesting solution there to get access to the ESG space and, you know, one-ticket solution. Well, one thing I will echo about uh, ESGF, or ZESG is, uh, uh, I think it's a great solution for smaller accounts, right? I think um, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of these smaller accounts, so a lot of the millennials, um, as they start to invest, a lot of them have been very vocal about, you know, the importance of ESG. Uh, so ZESG, I think, is a good way to get, you know, that balanced exposure and at the same time um, be cognizant of uh, ESG values as well. Hello, gentlemen. Maybe a question around volatility. I think uh, you've mentioned that at least 10 times this morning. How about uh, the suite of low-vol ETFs 
Do you still uh, agree and like the defensive board approach, mixing Noval with some key index like ZCN or uh, with ZUQ or ZUQ? Do you still think it makes sense for the U.S. election, the ZLU, the ZLB, all those uh, tickers? Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, I think I think it definitely does. I think you, you know in the U.S. you've seen you know the last month we finally started to see the market wobble a little bit this year, um, perhaps with the election looming. But it was also you know certain segments of tech getting probably a little bit ahead of itself, you know, from a valuation perspective. And we finally saw those those wobbles. And when we did see those wobbles. You know, guess what started to outperform again? Uh, low vol came back. And, you know, so really since March, since the lows, it hasn't been a really a low vol market. Uh, you know, we always advocated to have some in the, some in the book. Um, but now as you see the market wobble, you, you, you see the benefits of, of low vol. So, you know, again, it complements quality in the U.S. very well. Uh, probably still being a little bit water quality, but, but again, it's a nice complementation and gives you some, you know, insurance that things kind of go south from that point of view. You know, in Canada, you know, that LB is, you know, I, I see it as both a quality and a mobile ETF, you know, because you have very high quality companies in there that are less sensitive to broad economic markets, uh, broad, broad, broad market moves, I should say. So, you know, cyclical sectors in Canada, like energy being the prime example, you know, that's the high beta sector. Um, mobile is very much underweight that sector and, and has, you know, continued to have significant benefits um, but by virtue of that. So, you know, I think leaning on mobile in Canada, you know, that all be, you know, such a strong track record. I think we should continue to do that. I think it makes sense to have some ZCN in your portfolio as well, just to capture those Shopify um, gold equity moves. But I think you do very well with ZLB. And internationally, uh, we started to see the, the ZLI and the ZLB turn around as well, you know, and, and, and um, you know, it's offering kind of good performance. And I think there's a lot of risks, um, you know, over in that region as well. So, yeah, overall, I think it's still... It's something to think about and, you know, consider depending on your risk tolerances, you know, whether you want to have some of that in your portfolio. I, I do think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of investors. I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, thanks for the questions as well. Hopefully you picked up some, uh, some good ideas around our thematic approach today around what's going on. Uh, both north and south of the border, some great trade ideas to think about. Of course, thanks to both Chris and Alfred uh, for your comments this morning. Very insightful. Uh, hopefully some, some good ideas that we can all bring back to our conversations today. And with that, I'd just like to thank everyone one last time for joining and have a great day. Thank you to Mark Race, Chris Heeks, and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETS podcast. Today, we heard insightful commentary on the U.S. election and its inevitable ripple effects throughout the investment universe. For those looking to wait out the uncertainty, our experts pointed to ZWG and ZPay to help earn greater yield from the rising volatility. Looking beyond November 3rd, we heard about equity and fixed income ideas to help investors rebalance the portfolio for a cautious economic recovery. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, Please see the episode notes below, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or simply visit BMOETFs.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe. And if you have any questions you'd like addressed in future episodes, please send them to Andrew Vachon, A-N-D-R-E-W dot V-A-C-H-O-N at BMO.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.
The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.